If you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to the book of Matthew chapter 24, we'll be looking at that passage of scripture today. Matthew chapter 24. We're continuing our series on imprints. And I got to say, I have enjoyed jumping into the series and listening as the preaching team has talked about different concepts of how Jesus touches individuals' lives. He, he, lives. he leaves the, his imprints upon them, his fingerprints upon their lives. But not just for them to have those things, not just for them to have the blessings of God, but also that they would go and do likewise, that they would desire to do the same and leave their imprints on the world around them. Today we'll be looking at this concept in the passage of Matthew chapter 24. You know, when I think about someone who left an imprint on my life, I think about the idea of Sunday school teachers many years ago throughout the course of, of, of my upbringing and those who impressed upon me this idea of being like Jesus and becoming more like him. And one, one Sunday school teacher comes to mind very specifically in 1979, a teacher who, who taught me a little bit about the love of God and the love of Jesus through the stories that she would share, but also who saw the world and all that it was and was challenged by it. And I remember this teacher saying from time to time, you know, things aren't going to last forever. And she would bring it up, and, and there were times where she perhaps was, was a little discouraged, and you could hear that in her voice. Things aren't going to last forever. i got to tell you, that drumbeat has been a continual drumbeat throughout my life. As I have heard various teachers or, or preachers and sermons say, you know what, things in this world will not last. There's times that that we're going to be in life and it's going to be difficult and, and you just need to know it's not going to last forever. I can remember back in a sermon in 1983 when the preacher said things are getting ugly. Things are getting ugly. In 1991, I remember hearing the message, the world is falling apart. And of course, in 2001, who can forget the messages of we're being judged the world is being judged. Maybe you heard that message. Or in 2007, if God doesn't respond, he's going to have to, he's going to, have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You, you ever hear that message? Or in 2012, things can't get much worse than they already are. Here's what's interesting to me. As I heard those messages, I thought back to my teacher in 1979 and realized she hadn't seen so many things that we have dealt with today. She didn't know about 9-11. She hadn't heard about the, the coronavirus. She didn't even know about the internet. The Iraqi war hadn't happened yet. The Taliban, not even the AIDS epidemic, had taken place in 1979. Boy, the world has changed a lot. Yet the message remained clear throughout time. The message has said, this world is falling apart. It was a constant drumbeat. When would it take place? No one could guess. Some said it would be Y2K. Others talked about the Mayan calendar. 
and how the Mayan calendar would come and bring the end of times. And of course, others thought maybe it would be 2020. I don't know when it'll be. 2025? 2030? 2050? 2748? Who knows when the world will come to an end. But what we do know is this. One way or another, we all know that at some part, at some point, this world will fall apart. And I'm not just talking about the end of time. I'm talking about the challenges of the times. As we look at the world around us and we see things, we begin to think about how the world will eventually begin to crumble. It's going to fall apart. You see, we know enough about history, enough about science and philosophy, and enough about Scripture to tell us that nothing lasts forever. Nothing's going to last forever. So here we are today, and it's our second round of worship being shut down. Second time where we're at home, or you guys are at home, and worshiping from afar. Here I am today in this auditorium that seats 1,100 people, and there's 11 people here just running and managing the sound. And as I think about the situation we're in, I'm thinking about how the world feels like it's crumbling around us. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God had a message for us in these challenging times? So I think about the imprints of Jesus, and I want you to focus today on the imprints of Jesus in a world that is falling apart. In a world that seems like it's falling apart, what is the imprint that Jesus has to leave upon us? Let's go, if you will, with me to Matthew chapter 24, as Jesus discusses the end of their world. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 2. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, he said, so you see all these things? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. You know, many people read this passage of scripture as if it's the end of the world. They read it and they see the 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 moon turning to blood and the sky becoming darkened and no one will know the hour and and as we read through it it's easy to see this is the end of the world i'm not convinced it's talking about the end of the world rather i'm convinced that this passage of scripture is talking about the end of their world the end of the world that they were living in a world where their society began to fall apart. And I wonder why Jesus uses this kind of end of the world terminology here, and I have to think it's because what was going to happen to these people was a really big deal. It was going to shape and shatter the way that they would look at the universe, the way that they would look at their lives. The destruction of the temple was a big thing to these people. It was their religious world and their cultural world. It was their society and it was their economy. It represented their values and their traditions. And here Jesus is and he's saying, look, it's going to come crashing down. There's a time when this will all fall apart. 
Well, Jesus wants to imprint upon his people and upon us a proper response for when things start falling apart. This is not just a message for them. Sure, this is a message that Jesus spoke to them, but it's also a message for us in difficult times. And there's going to be times in our lives where things are up and things are down and we wonder what's next. And Jesus says, I have a message for you. I want to impart a message upon you that you can hold on to in difficult times. You know, things fall apart. Marriages fall apart. Relationships and families fall apart. Institutions will crumble. Careers and dreams fall apart. But when they do, Jesus says, I have something very specific I want to tell you. Something to get you through those difficult times. When you're in your world and it seems like your whole world is falling apart. In the midst of your marriage, when it seems like the sky is darkened. In the midst of pain, when it seems like the moon has turned to blood. I want you to know this. I can get you through it. That you can trust me. Jesus is going to give us an answer. And I want you to know this. He's going to summarize his answer with this message. Faith, hope, and love. His response will be faith, hope, and love. In difficult times, you can navigate with faith, hope, and love. So let's hear what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 24. Let's start in verse 10. He says, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The first thing Jesus says is that in difficult times, as things are crumbling and the world seems like it's falling apart, I want you to know this, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Have faith. It is faith that will hold us and bind us. Jesus says, no matter what, continue to have faith in God. No matter what, continue to have faith in God. Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus talked about the things of this earth? And he says, don't store up treasures on earth where moth can eat it or or rust can destroy it, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And when you think about things of this earth, our clothing, we know how moth and rust can destroy or our homes moth and rust or or even our our vehicles moth and rust can destroy those things but but those words moth and moth and rust they they represent more than just bugs and chemical responses they represent all the things of this world that would destroy and corrupt the things that we love the things that we enjoy the blessings of god They represent time. They represent stress. They represent fractures and weaknesses in systems. And we've seen this. We know this. That the things that we love of this world, the things that we enjoy of this world, will have a tendency to fall apart. Things like our health. Things like ideals. Even our values. And hopes. Maybe you look at the world today and you go, well, the values of the world today are so different. They have crumbled and they begin to fall apart. And Jesus says, look, that's what happens. As we see our foundations crumbling, this is what happens. But I want you to know, he is with us. 
You can trust in him. The things that we thought would last forever may not last forever. And go back to that teacher in 1979. The beliefs that she had, how different would they be today? The institution of marriage, how has it changed since 1979? How has academia changed since 1979? How have churches changed since 1979? And we look at it and it gets scary, but we can trust him, have faith in him that he will get us through difficult times. Jesus will go on in the text. In verse 20, here's what he'll say. Pray that your, fi- that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath day. He continues on, he says, look, as Rome comes, and he begins to prepare them for the coming of the Roman soldiers, the centurions, who come in and invade the temple. This is what he's talking about in Matthew 24, the invasion of the temple. And he says, look, Rome is coming. It's it's a done deal. It's going to happen. But you can keep praying. You can keep praying. You can imagine how it would be like for the the early Christians as they thought about Rome's definitely going to come why should we pray why in the world what's the benefit to us well Jesus says pray that it doesn't happen in winter or on the Sabbath day you don't want it to happen on the Sabbath when the gates are are locked you don't want to have it to happen in winter whenever people are you know it's cold and, and you can't survive a long journey if you have to escape pray that you know that 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 you're not pregnant in that time or that, that you're in a position of health that you can handle it. Maybe it seems like a fleeting prayer to think that this is already going to happen. Why should I pray? But here Jesus says, pray. Continue to pray. You know what's fascinating when you think about this event in history? Because this was a big event. 1.1 million Jewish people died in this event, Josephus tells us, in history. 1.1 million But when you look at the history of this event, here's what's so fascinating. Many of the Christians were spared. Many of the Christians were spared. And in fact, here's what it tells us. That the months of the invasion, as the temple was was being destroyed, the months of the invasion took place between April and September. If you go on, on the internet and you look up When the winter months are in Israel, in the Holy Lands, it's December through March. The invasion took place from April to September. As soon as winter ended, that's when the invasion took place. How did that happen? Is that just a coincidence? Or is it because people had faith and they continued to pray? As we think about the system that we're in, the world we're in, there may not seem like there's any hope. You may feel like, man, this is going a a, a direction and there's no stopping it. And I'll be honest with you, I feel that a lot. But we can keep praying. We can keep praying because we know that Jesus, God, will respond in a way that will bless his people. He says, don't give up faith. Well, we looked at faith, but Jesus says, these three things remain. The next one is hope. Hope is a message for us as we look at this passage of Scripture. Jesus says, God's promise is worth placing your hope in. It's worth placing your hope in. Look with me in Matthew chapter 24, verses 38 through 42. 
For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving to marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at, out at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. As Jesus speaks the message, he begins to allude to the story and talk about the story of Noah. Why does Jesus bring up Noah and the ark? Well, it's really simple. The story of Noah is not just a story of destruction, but it's also a story of salvation. As Jesus talks about this difficult, challenging time, the world is going to start crumbling around you. It's going to be the end of your world as you know it. He says, but don't forget Noah. Don't forget a God who can save you in the midst of the storm. Do you have hope in the promises of God? I want you to know that one way or another, God will get us through this. Just like in the days of Noah, God promises that he will get us through this. And his promises remain true. Christian, do you have anything to hope in? When Jesus says, or God says in the Bible, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid, he will not abandon us, he will remain faithful. Can you hope in that? When Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you, can you hope in that? Is there anything worth hoping in? In the midst of chaos and trial, when you're struggling with your faith, is there anything that you can say, I hope, I hope in the promises of God, I trust in the promises of God that he will get us through. Jesus brings up Noah for a reason, because Noah is a story of redemption, a story of healing. So Jesus says, look, there's, there's things that you're going to have to do to navigate this difficult time. It's going to take faith, and it's going to take hope. But I also want you to know this, it's going to require love. Let's begin again in Matthew 24, starting in verse 10. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because, of law, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. He says, look, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the challenges, the love of many will grow cold. When we think about the world we're in today, such a sad commentary on life that the love of many has grown cold. And we can think about how the world's love has grown cold, but I want you to notice something in the text because this is super fascinating to me. As we look at it, Jesus says, I don't want you to lose love in the midst of crisis. Don't lose love in the midst of crisis. But look at the text with me again. It says this, as he says, the love of many will grow cold. I want you to know that word love could be any word that could be used, but it's agape love. Agape love. The agape of many will grow cold. He's not talking about the love of, 
of the world, brotherly love, brotherly kindness. He's not talking about the love between a husband and wife. He's talking about the church. And he says, in the midst of crisis, you know what happens to the church? The love of the church begins to grow cold. It's a scary, sad commentary that in the midst of pain, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of of systems being shaken, that the church would start to, to manifest not fruit of love or show not fruit, of, lo- fruit of, of compassion and grace and love and mercy, but instead of, of anger and hostility towards one another. We have to make a choice. During these tough times, we have to make a choice. Choosing not to fight ourselves. Choosing not to fight amongst ourselves and attack ourselves, but to love who we are as a body, to love each other. I've seen a lot of stories lately, articles about churches that are struggling in these difficult times. Here's a, here was a good article, an article that says, don't forget love. And the Christian Chronicle talked about, in virus-stricken Native America, a church shares food and light. What a wonderful time uh, in, in history for the church who, who, is, who is nervous, who is scared to continue to be what the church is, which is salt and light and love in the world. Fortunately, a lot of the stories and articles we see lately have not been that way. Churches frustrated and, and dividing, splitting, splitting over things, splitting over things like, like masks, splitting over issues about time, when we meet and when we don't meet, and who should meet, and social distancing. And as we hear those stories, we have to remind ourselves, this is not a time to hate, but a time to love. It's a choice. Choosing to care. Choosing to love again. Choosing to love one another. So Jesus reminds us, if we're going to get through these difficult times, it's going to require faith, hope, and love. Now, we may ask the question, why? Why does it matter? Is Jesus just telling us these things to create some level of resilience within his people so they'll have good lives and and be blessed? Or is there even a deeper reason than that? I want to tell you why I think Jesus brings all this up. And it's found in verses 13 through 14 of the text. Matthew 24, verses 13 through 14. He says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Jesus says the reason we we have faith, hope, and love during these times is because we care about souls. Because we care about the eternal we don't, it's, it's not just me and my rights and my needs and, and my fears. It's about you and your value, your eternal value, your eternal soul. What good is it if I can gain the whole world, if, if my world is stable, if my rights are secure, but I lose my own soul? And what good is it if our church is seeing it my way, and they're agreeing with me, but others want nothing to do with the body of Christ because because we didn't love 
the way he loved. Because we didn't care the way he cared. Because we don't encourage others or, or care for one another. Because we lack faith. We place our trust in the things of this world. It'd be easy for me to want to win and have my own rights met, but forsake the souls of others. For me to win arguments, but forget about the lost souls of this world. And so we have a choice. We can choose what we'll do. Will we trust him or will we not? Will we love as he loved or will we not? Will we have hope and the promises of God or will we not? Jesus reminds us there is still work to be done. There's still work to be done. Even in the midst of crisis. You know, it's interesting when you look at history, the church looks really good in the midst of crisis. The church excels. They are just exceptional in the midst of crisis. Why do we do it? Because we must imprint on others that which sustains us in crisis. We want to imprint a message of Jesus, a message of his love, the same love that sustains us. We want to imprint upon this world the same hope, the same faith, a love of Jesus, a faith in Jesus, and a hope in Jesus. Well, I got to tell you, my teacher in Sunday school, even though things were scary for her and she talked about the fears of the world, she kept pressing Jesus. She did. And she would sing songs, Jesus loves me, this I know. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And the wise men built his house upon the rock. And as I heard those messages, I got to thinking, you know, when we trust in him, our world won't go splat. Our world won't fall apart. Because she continued to impress that message upon me, to imprint that message of Jesus on me, of faith, hope, and love. It's about choosing strength in times of chaos. Choosing to hold on to the things we value. So as we look forward and we begin to navigate this crazy world that we're having to navigate, I want to encourage you to remember these three things. Three things that Paul will write about in 1 Corinthians 13. Three things that come up over and over again and remind you that this, of this message. The things of this earth will pass away. But three things do remain, faith, hope, and love. They will never pass away. And the reason they'll never pass away is because they are founded and grounded on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. When you base your life on Jesus, on that firm foundation, you will find strength even as the world falls apart. I hope this message is encouraging to you today. I want you to know we care about you. This is normally what we say, come forward and stand and sing. But at this point, I want to encourage you to feel free to reach out to this congregation, this body. You can see our email address, can we help you at sunset.cc. There are shepherds and there are ministers who want to reach out to you as you reach out to us. Let us know if you have any needs or concerns. We care about you. We love you very much. 
we want you to know that God will get us through these difficult times. He's with us. He's always done it, even back in the days of Noah, and he'll do it now. Let's pray together. Father God, we submit our hearts to you, and we ask God that you would bless us through these difficult times. Help us to place our hope and our faith and our love on the model and the example of Jesus Christ. Help us to imprint those messages on the world around us so that the world can find peace and healing in these difficult times. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.